7, verses 13 through 23. Matthew 7, 13 through 23. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Prepare, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name hath cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Second reading is Luke chapter Luke chapter 13, 22 through 30. Luke's, Luke 13, 22 through 30. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive ye to enter in at the straight gate, for many I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand without, and to knock the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall he begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when he shall see, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and yourselves thrust out, and they shall they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God, and behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. Thank you, Brother Chuck, for those readings. We'll be basing our, our comments tonight on those two readings. Okay. We will eventually be describing living on Broad Street. Living on Broad Street. That's, that's where we'll end up uh, this evening. Notice in the reading in Luke 13, 22, that Jesus has been traveling through cities and villages, and he's headed to Jerusalem. And that catches our attention because we know why he's going there. We know this is the central event of not only that day and time, but of our very hearts and lives. He will be going there to give himself for our sins. But he's asked some questions here and he makes some very uh, definite comments. 
The first thing I want us to do together is to contrast the way of Christ and the way of the world. From these readings, I want us to contrast the way of Christ and the way of the world. So, by way of size, notice that the way of Jesus is narrow and that the way of the world or the way of Satan is broad and wide. Jesus talks about entering in the narrow gate or the narrow door and traveling the narrow way. By way of size, the way of Jesus is narrow and the way of the world is broad or wide. Okay. By way of difficulty, the way of Jesus is hard, but the way of the world is easy. Easy. Third contrast, by way of the number who will be traveling these ways, the way of Jesus will be few. There will be few on that narrow way. But those on the way of the world will be many. Many will enter in this way. And then a fourth contrast is by way of destination. Those traveling the way of Jesus, this leads to life. And those traveling the way of the world, this leads to destruction. So you see it there for yourself. Very plain, Jesus is, is marvelous. Jesus is the expert at explaining uh, things which are spiritual. Okay. So by way of size, by way of difficulty, by way of number, and by way of destination. Now notice this destination here. Those who travel the way of Christ, this leads to life. And if you notice a reading here in Luke 13, 22 to 30, this means that at some point you'll get to sit down in heaven with the Lord and you get to recline there. You'll be reclining in that eternal kingdom, be serving Him, praising Him, being with Him. Of course, this is exactly where we want to be want to be. But notice that the way of the world leads to destruction. And there in the reading of Luke 13, it is described as weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how hell is, is described there. There will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Weeping indicates an eternal regret. Eternal regret. Can you imagine what will be said as you cry? Something like, Oh no! It can't be! Please tell me it's not so! And can you imagine an eternity of crying and repeating such a thing? So there's the weeping and then there's the gnashing of teeth. The gnashing, gnashing of teeth indicates eternal pain. So combined, there will be eternal regret and eternal pain. And so, of course, this demands things of us. Before we get to what this contrast demands, think about the word picture here. I, I'm, I'm always, I'm drawn to Jesus and his ability to use words in such a way to create a mental picture for us. That's the way it ought to be. 
It's not, it's not a mistake that the words of Scripture came into this world at the time in which it did. On just, on just the ability of, of, of writing it down and God uses words and not, not physical pictures. God uses words and not physical pictures to relate the message of the cross to us. But his words automatically form a mental picture in our mind. And you just picture it there. There is the, there's the narrow door you're picturing in your mind right now. And then there's the broad door. Or you, maybe you're picturing a, a narrow gate in your mind. Or maybe you're picturing a wide gate. But behind the door or the gate is a narrow path. And then on this side, going through the broad, wide gate, there is a wide path. And there are many people on that path, but there's fewer on this path. And if you follow the narrow path on down, it leads to glory. You follow the broad path on down, it leads to destruction. Now, the contrast of these two ways demands a decision from us. We must decide. We must decide. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, Paul says, Prove all things, or another word for that would be, to test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Test all things, spiritual, and hold fast to that which is good. The Apostle Paul also in Romans 12 and verse 9 he says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. In, in one sense, the decision's already made if we have any honesty about us at all. We, we're going to cleave to that narrow way and we're going to abhor, abhor that, that broad way. So it, it demands a decision. But it also involves division. This, this contrast of these two ways involves division. Look, at, look with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 12. Look what Jesus says in Luke 12, around verse 50, 51. Verse 51, Luke 12, 51. He asks this question. He says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, he says, I tell you, but rather division, division. For from now on in one house, there will, be, there will be five divided, three against and two, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What does he mean by this? There will be some who will choose the narrow way, and others will not choose the narrow way. They will not choose the way of Christ, and that will create just, just a natural division among people. And so this contrast demands first a decision from us, but also we recognize that there will be division. There will be division among folks. 
But notice in your reading here in Luke 13, it also, this contrast involves a deadline. A deadline. Notice from Jesus' own words here, beginning in Luke 13, 25. When once the master of the house, see it there, Luke 13, 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. He will answer you. I do not, where, do not know where you have come from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know from whence you have come. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Notice, starting back up, verse 24. Luke 13, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I will tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. But once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, shut the door. See, when Jesus does come and we meet him in the air on the judgment day, the door will be shut. The judgment will be final. We are all living toward that day. We're actually living toward either that day coming during our lifetime or we're living toward the day of our death. You know, the apostle says in Hebrews 9 and 27, it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Okay. But whenever the judgment comes for us, whenever that judgment day does come, it will be final. No amount of pleading, no amount of bargaining will change that judgment. And so the contrast here, it, it demands a decision from us. It will involve division between those who choose the narrow way and those who do not. But then it involves a deadline. It involves a deadline. And we must make this choice and stay on the narrow road and, and be faithful uh, to it. So I wanted us to see the contrast. The second thing I'd like for us to do together this evening is to take a quick look at the way of Jesus, the narrow way. Take a quick look at the way of Jesus. A good study for, for anyone uh, to do, we won't take the time to do it tonight, but to notice that following Jesus is often called the way. Okay. It's called the narrow door, the narrow gate here. It's called, it's called the narrow way. Jesus himself, John 14, uh, 6, says, I am the way the truth, the life, no man comes from the Father unto the Father except through me. But if you look even into the book of Acts, like Acts 9 and verse 2, and, and follow your references there, you'll see that, that Christian living, those following Christ, were known to be of the way. There in Acts 9 verse 2, the, the um, Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he was persecuting anyone who belonged to the way. The way. So let's think for just a moment about this way or this, this pattern of living. How would you go about telling someone about this way? Okay. There are several summaries in the Bible of, of how to become a Christian and how to get on the Christian path and, and to stay there. Okay. There are many ways of doing that. Let me just review one with you. You know, Jesus gives us the great commission in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, when he says, All authority has been given unto me 
in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay. Now, when you look at the, the Great Commission, and then when you look at the entire New Testament, you see that the two match. The Great Commission and all the New, New Testament match. Okay. When Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority has been given unto me in, heaven, in heaven and on earth, how do you find out about that? How do you find out about the authority of Jesus? Well, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with a good and honest heart, you're going to walk away and say, this Jesus is something else. This Jesus must indeed be the Christ. He must be, indeed be the prophet. He must indeed be the Son of God. Okay. And then the next part of the Great Commission says what? Go make disciples, baptizing them into the name of, of God, into the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is exactly what you see happening in the book of Acts. You see Peter, you see, you see John, you see other members of the church scattered abroad. You see eventually, you see uh, the Apostle Paul, you see uh, Barnabas, you, you, uh, you see a number of disciples, you see uh, John even more. And they're traveling, what are they doing? They're, they're teaching, making disciples, baptizing them, and people are being forgiven of their sins, being added to the church, and they're going to teach others as well. And then the next part of the Great Commission is that you teach them all things whatsoever God commands. And so after one becomes a Christian, there's, there's the growing in grace and knowledge that we read about in 2 Peter 3, verse 18. And that matches the New Testament from the book of Romans all the way down to the book of Jude. Romans through Jude teaches us in a variety of ways how we go about living the Christian way. And then at the last, Jesus says in the Great Commission, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Well, that matches the book of Revelation because the message in the book of Revelation is over and over again that the Lord is with us. No matter how rough times we'll get, uh, the Lord will be with us. And so this is at least one way of talking about the Christian way. But here's something that we think about. Isn't it a blessing? Isn't it a blessing? Whether, whether you use the Great Commission, whether you use just the book of Acts, whether you take, like we did this morning, just the book of Galatians. Uh, we've been studying men's class, just the, the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Okay? You can just take the book of Romans. No matter where you go in, the, in Scripture to teach about Christ and the Christian way of, of living, it, isn't it a blessing that God has brought it to us? Isn't it a, a blessing? Isn't it something that, that just fills our hearts with gratitude? I'm reminded of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. He says, I, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord who, who has enabled me and he has put me into the ministry. He says, one time I was a persecutor I, I injured people. I blasphemed against the Lord, but, but his, his love found me. Through faith and love in Christ Jesus, I, I was able to be forgiven of my sins. He was very thankful. This way of living, this narrow way, is something that can be 
that can be discovered in the New Testament, but it's something that we should be thankful for as well. But we don't need to sugarcoat it. Okay. This is not the easy way. Looking at our reading in Luke 13 this evening, Jesus says, strive. The word strive there, strive to enter into the, the narrow door. Strive. The word strive there means to agonize. Okay. To be on this way and to stay on this way is going to take a great deal of sacrifice. Okay. It's not going to be easy. Okay. There's, going, there's going to be sacrifices. The Apostle Paul once said in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15 that he, he gladly will, will spend and be spent for the souls of other people. Notice his statement there, 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He will gladly spend, spend his money, spend his life, spend his energy, spend his time. He will gladly spend and then just let the Lord spend him. Spend and be spent. As we mentioned this morning, his, um, his credibility as a worker of the Lord, uh, he said, just look at my back. Galatians 6, 17. Look at the marks on my back. Look at the scars on my back. That's, that's the kind of commitment it takes to, to be on this road and to stay on this road. Okay. So it's something to be thankful for. It's easily discovered in the scripture, but it's not going to be always easy. Let's take a break for a second. Brother Morrow. Brother Morrow. What is the name of that valley you told us to go to that time to see the elk? Catalucci. Catalucci Valley. So we, we take our senior saint trip in the fall sometimes to go see the sites in the Smoky Mountains. We would go and, and, and for several years, Brother Marl would say, go to Catalucci Valley and see the elk. See the elk. So finally one year, I said, well, am I dumb or something? I'm not listening to Brother Marl. And so we're going to go to Catalucci Valley and, and see the elk. Okay? Bad decision. <laughs> Bad decision. Okay. It's a great decision for, for, well, we're on the church van. And it was dry that year. It was a gravel road. It's a narrow road. And it's not a straight road. And you're, you're going down a mountain as you get to the valley and you're constantly going around land masses. And, and as you're curving around, you can't see what's coming. It's just a, a one-lane road. And, and at the, on one side of the one-lane road is, is the mountain. On the other side is a drop-off. And there's no rails. There's no guardrails. It's just loose gravel. And so as we're going down, the church van is kind of doing this right here. Okay? Just going down. We're going down. Okay. And it, never been there. Never been there. Okay. And as we're going down, I'm thinking, how are we going to get out of here? So we get down, and we do get to see some elk. But I'm thinking, how are we going to get out of here? Obviously, we did, didn't we? 
I think we did. Down, down there was a man in a nice, nice red truck. He's from Coleman, Alabama. And I walk up to him and I said, when you leave, we're going to leave. And I'm going to be right on your tail. Whatever decision you make going up this road, I will be making that same decision. Whatever speed you go, I will be going that same speed. Whatever decision you make in going around a corner, I will be making the same decision. And I did. That's how I got out. That's how we got out. Okay. It was very important because on the back seat of the church van was um, Larry and Nita Peebles. And they were just sliding back and forth. <laughs> the way, the narrow way is difficult sometimes. But so necessary. So very necessary. Now the third thing we want to do together, just for briefly here, is to give some description to the Broadway. A modern day description to the Broadway. So just look at the two ways contrasted and then take a quick look at the narrow way and now let's look at the broad way. Okay. And we'll look at some features, if you will, of the broad way. First, it starts with a low regard for scripture. A low regard for scripture. Those on the broad way, they'll look at the biblical writers but they'll say, well, Modern day people carry just as much weight as the biblical writers did. And those on the Broadway, they will look at the examples of the, of the apostles and basically just ignore them. Like, like the apostles would come to the first day of the week, Acts 20 verse 7, and they would stop and they would worship and that worship would include the breaking of the bread, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Well, those on the Broadway just seem to ignore that. Okay. They have a low view of Scripture, you see. And then a, another feature, this, this, another feature of the Broadway, this, this low view of Scripture leads to a very weak faith. You see, if you, if you don't have a high view of Scripture, you're going to have a weak faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. And so instead of your faith being based on the Word of God, it's based on your feelings, it's based on your experiences, and it's based on the opinions of other people. Okay. And so those who have a low view of Scripture are operating on a feelings and experiences-based faith, which is a very weak faith. That's when your Bible classes turn into, instead of Scripture study, it turns into sharing sessions. And that's when you're not studying at home, you're not taking the Scriptures and studying at home, you're just scanning the universe, seeing what other people say about God. So that's the second feature of the broad way is you have um, a very weak faith. And then a third feature is this, this leads to wanting to be like other people. This weak faith leads to wanting to be like other people. It reminds us of history back in 1 Samuel 8 when God's people wanted to be like the other nations. They demanded to have a king so they could be like the other nations, so that this king could fight their wars for them. Okay. That's still a temptation to the people of God uh, today, to want to be like other people. 
We got out here in our building in summer of 2017. We broke ground here in the summer of 2016. So yeah, over that whole year, you heard a lot of different comments, good, good and bad. But I actually heard someone say, "Well, you're going out to that. You're going out to the four lane uh, because other churches have gone out to the four lane and they seem to have success. So you're doing the same thing that they're doing." And when I heard that, I said, no, no, thousand times, no, okay. These other churches up and down the road, most of them, these other churches up and down the road, really have no authority to be existing. Do we not remember what Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 13? Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Okay. And coming out here because somebody else came out here, we just... We just, as far as I know, we're just looking for a place for, to assemble for worship. That's all we need, just a place to assemble for worship. That's all we need, and we, I reckon we're just looking for a place to assemble for worship. Okay. But this broad way contains people who want to be like other people. Okay. Always a danger. And this, another feature, a fourth feature of this broad way is to accept, to receive and accept um, false ideals about worship. Modern day worship is, is often based on two things. It's people oriented and it's performance based. It's people oriented and it's performance based. Okay. In other words, uh, if your people say, hey, we want a little bit more out of it, then you jazz, you're going to jazz up your worship a little bit. Or somebody says, well, we want to calm it down, you're going to soothe it down a little bit. But it's, it's all about trying to please the people. Paul calls this in Colossians 2.23, will worship. In other words, you're worshiping according to your own will and not the will of God. Right, so that's a feature of, of the broad way. Another feature of the broad way is this. An expanded role of women. I'm talking about the modern, what does the modern Broadway look like? Well, an expanded role for women, you see. Women, women want to more and more have their voices heard. They want to have the broader impact upon the church. It's almost as if some people have never read passages like 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35, or 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Almost as if they've never heard of God's ideal of male leadership. And then uh, this leads to, um, to receiving all the erosion that, that's around marriage. You know, this is the broad way today. Okay? You're, you're receiving, you're accepting not only the expanded role of women, but also any other perversions regarding marriage uh, itself. And the Broadway also features this. People on the Broadway make choices based on social connections and not on the Word of God. Boy, is that ever happening today. People make choices about where they're going to go to church based on social connections instead of the will of God. That's the Broadway. That's, the, that's being like the world right there. And, and many churches just feed in on that desire of people. So they get, they get together all kinds of little gimmicks and so forth. And I won't go 
into all of that. I could. I could. Okay. Back in our day, who was I talking to this afternoon? Was it Will Fletcher? About fishing? Back in our day, we're down around Arley today, and it brought back memories of carp fishing, carp and bass fishing. Okay. In order to attract somebody to church, would we want to have a church-sponsored fishing team? I'm just asking. I love your comment this morning about Sam the Lollipop Man. Okay. Of course we give lollipops to children, but we don't continue to give lollipops to adults. When I'm a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, at least we were supposed to. That's the Broadway. Broadway people never grow up. That's what living on Broad Street's all about. You just never grow up. And God says you've got to grow up. You've got to become a man in Scripture. You've got to become a, a firm believer in Scripture. These are just a few features of the Broadway. One of the features of the Broadway is we become, because we have no conviction, then we have no passion. And if we have no conviction, no passion, we're never going to speak up and talk about the Lord Jesus at all. The 1962 World Series, the Yankees versus the Giants, right in the middle of game seven, Bobby Richardson is playing second base for the Yankees. The Giants have a runner on second, and a timeout is taken because the Yankees are going to change pitchers. They change pitchers. During that lapse of activity, second baseman Bobby Richardson goes over to the runner on second and begins to talk to him about the Lord Jesus and what he knew about the Lord Jesus and how did he ever did he ever go to church on Sunday mornings and did he does how much did he know about the Scripture and he would love to talk to him the second baseman there in 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 the seventh game of the World Series talking to this runner on second about the Lord Jesus. The runner on second goes into the dugout after the inning and tells a man by the name of Philippe Alou. A weird name, but Philippe is his name. And Philippe records this, uh, writes about this later. And he says the runner was amazed that the man would talk to him about Jesus and the Bible during the, during the seventh game of the World Series. We're always looking for the proper time to talk to somebody about Jesus. But if it's part of us, if it's our conviction, then it will be our passion. And we'll find no, no obstacles into sharing the Lord Jesus. And so this evening, just quickly, simply wanted to mention to you the contrast between the way of Jesus and the way of the world. And then notice quickly some features of the narrow way and then some features of the broad way. You could do a much better job at describing these two ways. But we see Jesus, there's no one better at bringing the complex issues of eternity right down here in front of us. But we must make the choice 
We must make the choice. The two ways are before us. You can see it in your mind. Can you see which road you are on at this time? Remember where these roads lead. One leads to life, eternal life. The other leads to eternal regret and eternal pain. With these things in mind, let's stand together and sing our song of encouragement.